You're listening to Motherhood Ignited, a podcast for mompreneurs, creatives, and influencers who are rocking the beautiful balance between working passionately and nurturing presently. I'm your host, Christy Keen, and every week I interview inspiring mom bosses, brands, and industry experts to bring you the knowledge, tools, and strategies to grow your influence and business through purposeful online content creation. So come in and cozy up, mamas, and get ready to ignite your goals. Hi, mamas. My guest today is such an angel and mom boss. Kindness and authenticity literally seep through her pores, and I've had the honor of following her journey since before we were both moms. Lauren Gleisberg started LaurenGleisberg.com as a way to share her daily workouts and meals with friends, and it quickly blossomed into a full-blown six-figure health and fitness business and brand. Lauren, I am so excited to chat with you more about how social media has helped you grow your online health and fitness business. But first, why don't you dive a little bit deeper into how you got started in this space? Hi, Christy. I'm so excited to be here. And I feel like you couldn't have uh, given me a better intro, better than I could do myself. Um, (laughs) But I am happy to dive in and kind of share just kind of how I got here. Um, Like you said, I'm a mom, uh, blogger turned business owner. What may come off as a lot of, um, you know, food and fitness is really just more about living a healthy lifestyle. I'm all about family, overall health, just feeling good. And, you know, if you can look a little bit better, that's just a little side benefit. But um, kind of like you said, I, you know, I actually kind of got into this space unintentionally. I was a girl in her college dorm room on Instagram. This is back in 2012 when influencer wasn't even really a word. I was just on there sharing my workouts, my meals, my every little part of my journey with people on Instagram. And I was connecting with them just as, you know, kind of like a passion, a side place where I could be creative and um, just a fun outlet. And I had recently moved from Wisconsin to Texas. I was living in Texas with my boyfriend and, or then boyfriend, now husband, I was actually going to dental school. So I was preparing to start dental school in the fall. And I had what was already an established blog. And I mean, by established, it, you know, started with five viewers per, you know, day. And it kind of grew from that. I was initially just sharing for, with friends. And then thanks to the power of the internet, you know, anyone can find you. So It started blossoming from there, and I was just actually, this is kind of funny, but I was, my boyfriend and I had just moved. We had this mattress on the floor, and I'm sitting on my mattress, you know, waiting to decorate our first apartment, and I was like, I need to figure out a way to monetize this blog, and I did. I listened to, um, at that point, I had um, just like a a few really loyal um, people who were interested in my workouts. And they were asking for a workout plan that they could follow more than just the daily workouts that I provided. So I, from there, I created my first digital product. It was a workout ebook. And I think I shared this uh, story with you. I remember putting the product up for sale and I went to sleep. And the next morning I woke up and the product had made $80. And I was like, so thrilled with that. Could not believe that you could make money in your sleep. And like I was telling you, I made that first week $846. It literally blew my mind. Since then, things have obviously grown. We make more than that in a day now. And we've grown our offerings and all sorts of things, but um, kind of got into this all unintentionally. And with um, evolution of who I am and the business, it's just grown into what it is today. And um, I'm really proud of it. And you should be. That is amazing. And I love that 
you know, you were sitting on your mattress trying to think of a way to monetize what you were doing and what it boiled down to is it sounds like you just listened to what your community was asking for and that it turned into such a blessing. And I think that's always a good baseline is people are usually really happy to tell you what they want from you and how you can help them. And the fact that you listened to that message and created for your following is huge. Exactly. And I think it's funny because a lot of us women were already doing something great and something that can be monetized. We might not just be thinking about it in that way. Like I said, I had been sharing workouts for like maybe two years prior to when I first attempted to monetize it. But, you know, sometimes you just don't go into it with that mindset. But when you step back and take a look at what you're doing, what people you're interacting with are really liking, what they're asking for, you're exactly right. You can find a way to monetize it. And is what you're doing all passive? I I love when people say they make money when they sleep and I still need to figure out that passive income strategy, but is is most of your income through passive income? Um, yes and no. I would say I'm always actively working to create continued passive income, if that makes any sense. So I'm yeah. always, I have plans that I create that just exist and anyone can go back and continue to download them and follow whether it's a workout plan, a meal plan, and so on. But then I I really focus on continuing to create new content for my community. So if we're not in a current challenge or workout plan, I'm in the process of creating the new one. Um, So while there is a lot of passive income, I am always actively working to create new stuff. So a little bit of both. That's awesome. And just it's doing something that you love, which is even better and just amazing. So I am really proud of you. Well, thank you. And what I really want to dig into with you today is the power of community, because I think that is what has set your business up for for such success. And I really want to know for you, what does it even mean to build a community and what makes that different than building a following? Because I know following and followers are such key trigger words right now, but I think when it comes to growing a business and making money and coaching and sharing and pouring your heart into other women, community seems to be what would make a huge impact in your business and mindset. So I'd love to hear what the word community means to you and and how that has helped grow your business. Of course, I think this is a really good point. And in my opinion, it's, I, it's where I think influencers and anyone who's online in the social um, space should really focus, especially for the long term. I think that's helped my business and um, where I continue to see it helping my business to where I put the majority of my focus. To me, a follower is simply someone who maybe just clicks like on your page. They like your photos, your page. But a community member, again, to me, is someone who just, they like you on a personal level. They like who you are, what you stand for, maybe even your family. And they're highly engaged in not just your business, but you as a person. Um, And I really believe that the difference between growing a community versus a following starts with connection. So for me, it's, Mm. it's really just being myself and I am far from perfect. I don't even pretend I'm never afraid to um, take my community members and show them my highs and lows. You know, it's always exciting to share the highs, you know, like 
this is what I was doing to prep for my wedding. And these were my wedding invites. And, you know, I'm having kids now and all that journey, but I'm also not afraid to show the tough stuff, whether it's, you know, my kids, unfortunately facing health challenges or me struggling postpartum. Um, I'm really open and honest about the good times and the bad, because I really do believe that substance, that uh, relatable stuff is where you can form true relationships and turn a follower to a community member. And absolutely. Yeah. With community too, it's important, like you were saying, how you share yourself personally with them because it isn't just a follower or a client per se. You know, there it's a human on the other end of that connection. And I think what is important too, which we touched on in the beginning, is listening to them. And it's, you know, it's two sides when you have a community rather than with a follower, somebody just coming, seeing your stuff and kind of moving on. Exactly. To me, like a community member is a, it's a mutual relationship. You know, it's, I really do believe that when someone would come to my page or anyone's page, when they hit that follow button, I really see that as a privilege. And I respect that person. I respect any time that they would give me in looking at one of my posts or anything. So when I do post, I make sure that I'm giving them something of really good value. I make sure that if they're asking a question, I'm doing my best to respond to that comment or answering that DM. You know, to me, a mutually beneficial relationship with somebody who I consider part of my community you know, whether they know it or not, I know they share that they're getting something from me, but I just get as much back from them. Um, whether that's inspiration, ideas, motivation, fulfillment, it's like you said, it's a two way street of, um, you know, the relationship. Yes. And I think it's taken for granted so often from people who are influencers and, and bloggers in this space that if they just put out the content, the followers will come. Unfortunately, I I think the culture has made it has made it almost where a follower is just a number. And I love that when you go to your Instagram and your blog or any interaction, because I, I can personally say every interaction I've had with you is so personal and just you know, you just know that you're talking to a friend. And I think that makes all the difference. And I think that is why people continue to show up and continue to come back to you. You're sweet to say that. I feel the same about you. I feel like we both, you know, just really value, like you were mentioning, the person on the other end and how important it is to show up for them, to be there for them. Um, it's, it's really what this is all about. And like you were saying, I rather have a page of 10,000 women, men who I consider part of my community than a million followers because it, it's yes. you're getting so much more. And so you're right in how people can get caught up in the numbers, but I really look at it on a deeper level. And it's so crazy to me. I have women who I still chat with personally today who will you know, share that they've been with me and doing my workouts and we've been chatting since 2012. It's, it's crazy, but I do believe that is the value and the benefit you get from fostering a community versus a followership. And that's, what's amazing. And I'm sure those people who are staying there since 2012, you know, that they have, they think of you as a friend and they have went and told their friends about you. And when you build a community, it makes people want to share you and talk about you rather than, I mean, what's the point if it's just somebody with 
a pretty feed or, you know, nice abs. Exactly. The fact that you're always giving value to the people who show up for you is huge. And in this online world, it makes things real. You know, we can connect on an app, but um, it's amazing how when you start fostering a community, I've done meetups. I've met a lot of these women in person. They meet up on their own because, you know, we use community hashtags. They connect through that. They're doing challenges together. All of a sudden, I've had women tell me, I'm doing my LG workout at the gym, and I noticed the girl next to me doing a similar workout. So I asked her what she was doing, and we both realized we were doing one of your program workouts, and now we work out together every day. So what can start in an online you know, app or platform can really transcend into the real world. And I think community is what makes that possible. That's true. And I think this whole time we've been talking, when I even say community, I initially was just thinking about the community of people surrounding you, but I didn't even really think about the fact that the com- the community kind of sets apart on its own. Like they're out there, that's true, like getting together and they're chatting with one another and you're the common bond. So that has to feel so good that you not only are helping women with their health and fitness, but you're bringing them together and they're forming other friendships and bonds through the same thing. So that's pretty awesome. Because you have so many people who are so invested in you and invested in the program and in each other, it's got to be pretty important that you show up for them and engage with them. What does that look like for you showing up for the community? For me, that, like you said, is everything. I I believe that I started this in order to make it bigger than myself, and I feel like the community is what allows it to become something way more than just LG sharing her workouts. And for me, in order to really put into my community, one thing I've had to actually do is let go of things that aren't that. So um, I've, I know people talk a lot about like outsourcing and building a team. So for me, as LG as a business has grown, I've really had to focus on making engaging with my community one of my top priorities and creating for them. So one of the ways that I'm able to do that as a business owner is by building a team who can do the things that I'm not as talented at and that I maybe don't get as much joy from, whether that's like graphic designing or customer service things, backend um, support, website development, those business types of tasks, um, if those are taken care of, I can stay more on kind of like what I like call like the front lines of engaging with my community, being on Instagram, being on social media, answering comments and being in my DMs and um, really just creating that one-on-one relationship. And I'm sure it helps too, just being a mom, being able to follow your dream and passion to have this business, but also to be able to, at the end of the day, know that somebody else that is perfectly responsible and capable can handle other things so you can spend time with your kids. Right. I really, I, I've actually struggled with that quite a bit. I I don't know what it is in me. I feel guilty when I'm not doing it all. So motherhood was actually what really made me tip over into realizing that if I was taking on all these work tasks, what I was actually doing is saying no to my children. So Mm. I rather say no to a work task than no to my kids. And that's when I really started investing in my business and my team and um, 
teaching them tasks that maybe didn't require me and that other people were more talented at. Um, I always joke like my graphic designer can whip up something in 20 minutes and it would take me hours to create. Um, And those hours are what I could be spending with my children or, you know, on Instagram, um, chatting with community members. So um, it's just kind of crazy. I've had a lot of guilt letting go of all the business tasks, but it's definitely the best decision. It helps the business grow. It helps me be a more present mom. And it actually helps me interact with my community even more. And it's true. And I'm sure because I actually am in the steps of navigating outsourcing and hiring, um, which is crazy when you are starting an online business, you think you should be able to do it all because you're doing it from home or from your computer and the budget, you know, is you don't know exactly where things are going to go. And it's hard to say, it's hard to determine what your time is worth. But I think when you have kids, it really puts that in perspective for you where it's much easier for me now to pay an assistant $20 an hour, a couple hours a week, if that means that's quality time with my kids. So I'm sure you that's probably the kind of the point you were getting at there too. And that's awesome. And I think a big takeaway for moms in this space. Um, but how exactly. did you go about finding people for outsourcing? Cause that's my problem. It's so hard when this is your, I don't know, your little business baby that you want to, you know, it's hard to let go of control and to not be t- present in every aspect of it. So I would love to hear how you went about finding people for outsourcing. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. At the beginning, like I said, I did it all. I did my graphic designing, website development. I was my own photographer, content creator, editor, customer service, everything. And I obviously, at the beginning, you don't really have a budget to hire everything out. So I would just take it upon myself to learn it. And um, I think at the beginning, I could get away with it because there wasn't as much work to get done. And I just had more time before children. Um, but as the business grows, you start realizing things like who who's the best at these roles? And you really see um, what your strengths are and where you make a difference. For me, that is creating the workouts, creating the recipes, interacting with my community. Um, I, I know when I'm focused there, I'm getting as the most amount of joy and I'm making the biggest difference versus those other tasks that I mentioned. So at the very beginning, I remember I used like Elance or is it now Upwork, these websites where you could connect with freelancers and you could, um, either just post a job or you could, uh, review, freelancers that were listed on there. And I, that's where I met my graphic designer and we have worked together for, oh my gosh, it must be four or five years now and form friendships outside of those and relation work relationships outside of that. And I mean, we work together, we text, we email every single day. I mean, it's like we work together, um, on a totally different level now than we once did. And, um, I think then also putting yourself out there, even though it's a very online world, um, I, my assistant is local. You know, I, you have to find people within your own like actual physical community sometimes too, not just online, but online is a great place to start. Um, and you really just start seeing the value in these people and their skills and how sometimes you can just stay focused on your strengths by letting go of the tasks that just are maybe what I would consider my weaknesses. And that's how I went about building my team. And that's really smart because your weakness is probably where they just thrive and where they find their joy and oh, totally somebody else. So it just, it all comes full circle, but it is hard to just make that leap in the beginning, especially budget wise when you're not, you know, 
when you're not sure. But from what I understand from a lot of the other entrepreneurs that I've talked to is that once they started allocating funds for help and outsourcing, then their business actually took off and was able to expand and do better because they were able to put their passion where it was supposed to be. That's an amazing point. And I know a lot of people when they start out, they're maybe doing this as like a side hustle or a second job. And that's where I started. When I began this, I was going to school full time. I was working a job part time. I was coming home at 10 p.m. and I had to study for these biochem courses. And I was um, also trying to like get up a blog post and make this all happen. And when I decided to leave dental school and do this full time, my business exploded um, to the point where only three or four months later, I knew I had to make a hire because I just couldn't keep up with stuff and deliver the same quality. And that's actually when I hired, he was just then my fiance, but now my husband, because I looked at him and I was like, nobody's going to work harder for us than us. So he took a leap of faith and left a very nice corporate job. And then again, like you said, the business exploded even more to the point where we're like, okay, who's who's up next to hire, you know? And it just has kind of gone like that. So it's a very, very scary first step. I mean, seriously, when I looked my um, very traditional family and friends in the eyes and said, hey, I'm leaving dental school and I'm going to, you know, do this blog and Instagram thing full time, everyone's eyes were like, what? <laughs> You're doing what? Um but it's the reality now and it's such a viable career path and it's amazing and it's full of passion and like endless opportunities and um, you just got to start, but it's so scary, but you made a great point in that when you invest in it, it does just keep growing and we're still riding those growth uh, waves. So, And that gives me chills just to think about, I mean, that's a message that everybody tuning in needs to hear is that it is viable and there are you know, so many options of ways you can succeed and how you can make your your passion and your purpose into full-time work for yourself. And just to hear firsthand from another mama who's doing it and succeeding so far beyond probably what you ever imagined is just so incredible to hear. Yeah, you're right. It is beyond maybe you feel the same way. It's beyond what you can imagine. And that's why a lot of people will come up and ask me like, do you think it's too late to jump in? And it's like, it's absolutely not too late. You know, um, I feel like everyone, you know, people are like, well, everyone's doing this and that. And even though there may be things that are already being done, nobody's done it your specific way. I mean, there's a million exactly. girls out there. Yes. There's so many people out there sharing workouts and recipes, but not everyone is doing it my exact way. And, you know, people relate to people. So just sharing it, um, it, it's almost easy when you think of everything as you being an influencer by just sharing what you do and staying as true to who you are. Um, that's how I think you can really grow and draw in a community and audience um, as people just relate to that. It's so true. And I, and I want to back up too to something you said earlier that I thought was really interesting is how important it is to say no to opportunities and kind of what that's looked like in your business and in your um, online like social media space because I'm sure you probably are contacted with opportunities all the time and in order to put Lauren Gleisberg first and your your business and showing up for your community first it's you know you have to say no so what is 
did that like take a long time to start getting used to? I know I used to say yes all the time and I would regret it and be like, oh, because I didn't have, I just wasn't thinking of the end result at, at the time. You just want to be helpful to everybody. It's, you know, so I just would love to know what the saying no aspect looks like for you. Right. So when you first start, if I can like think back to that, I, like you said, yes to everything because I felt just so grateful and privileged to have these opportunities come my way, whether that's when you're an influencer and somebody's like, here, just post this. I'll give it to you for free. You're like, yes. Oh my gosh. Someone's contacting me to give me stuff. You know, it's exciting. And then as you grow and you start really valuing your time, and I think this is especially true for moms because like we've been saying, time in your business is time away from your children and your family and time for yourself. So I've really had to get good at saying no. And unfortunately, it's saying no to a lot of really cool opportunities that if I just had more time, I would do. Um, One thing I often say no to that I sometimes wish I wouldn't have to, but I do prioritize things differently is travel and event opportunities. Um, You know what it's like. Lining up childcare is so different. It's expensive. I have to work ahead just so that I can plan for travel days, which just isn't always possible with two little kids. Um, So that's something I often have to say no to. And even despite now, um, how even where I am now in my career uh, versus if I was just starting, I really have had to find a time in the day that I do not work. For me, it's 3 to 7 p.m. My team, my assistant know like I do not respond to emails, text messages, unless it's an absolute emergency. I am unavailable from those times because that is when I am in full mom mode. And I, it's very hard for me when things come in and I'm kind of working on projects to not be jumping on my computer and trying to finish stuff up. But, um, I've really had to set a schedule and say no to working during times that I've dedicated just to my children. And that's a really smart point to take away too, because it's easy to be constantly, you feel like you have you feel present in everything because your phone's right there, your computer's right there, you're always accessible in this current day and age. And it's got to be so hard on our kids. And we just, you know, sometimes my little one will look at me and tell me to turn my phone over. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, she's right. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't even paying attention to the fact that a notification popped up and I just glanced down at it and then got off track. So that's really cool that three to seven. So do you turn off your phone from three to seven or turn off notifications? I've actually, from working from home, I've had to learn to do things like I turn off my text notifications because to get caught up in text messages and I'm in a million different group chats with family and friends and it's so fun, but you can look at a clock and it's like a half hour later, I'm still texting. So I turn off um, texting notifications. I used to use a thing. Uh, there was a do not disturb. I haven't used it in a while, so I don't know if Apple's changed the settings, but you could do do not disturb except for, is it like your favorites list? So yeah. I would put like my mom, my husband, my nanny, and that was like it. So it was basically like if my kids or family need to reach me, you can reach me, but otherwise I'm working. So there are just little systems that I've had to put in place um, to protect that time and to say no to work. But I mean, you know what it's like, it's so hard today. You feel like you are always on, you're always reachable. There's always more work to be done, which as an influencer and working in an online business, there's always more to be done. Mm -hmm. So I feel like one of the best things I've learned is setting a traditional schedule in a non-traditional world. Um, There is something of value about like 
people talk about the nine to five and it's almost like criticized, like you don't have to do in the nine to five, but there's something of value. Maybe it's not nine to five for you, but there's some value in setting a somewhat structured schedule and times where you're on and times where you're off. And especially as you build a team and work with other people, that that is the precedent that is set for everyone. Absolutely. And I mean, if I didn't try to do the same type of thing you're talking about with a schedule, I would be all over the place. Like we're just so over, it would be impossible not to be overwhelmed. I feel like with all the stimulation that we just get as human beings right now. So yes, I think that's a huge time management tip is to schedule your time appropriate, like a job. If you're going to treat this, I say this in a lot of these episodes, I feel like, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking of treating your online brand and your social media as a business. So you have to actually nourish it like a business. So you do a really great job at that. And I think that's all really, really great advice. Thank you. And I know at the beginning, it's very hard, especially when you're starting. It's almost hard to take yourself seriously, like you said, a legitimate business. And I think that's one really good tip looking back on how I started that I wish I did more of is to take it and treat it very, very seriously. And even if it's, you know, you're only working two hours a day during nap time, treat those two hours super seriously and, um, you know, have respect for what you're doing in those hours, no distractions, whatever you got to do. Um, I, I, I agree with that. I think taking it seriously can, can have big payoffs and rewards. Amen. And I think, wow, like this conversation, just in terms of the importance of community and the importance of protecting your time and saying no is going to bring huge value to people who are checking in today. And I always like to end the podcast with a series of rapid fire questions that are my most asked questions from people. Awesome. So the first one is my favorite and it's what do you influence that you are most proud of? I, I would say I am most proud of the fact that people can use my workout and meal plans to make positive changes in greater parts of their life. So not just the physical, but I when I receive a message um, from a mom saying that she really lost herself um, in that newborn phase and she now feels like just dedicating a little bit time to herself through a workout, it's totally brought her a new sense of confidence and self and it's, you know, her marriage is improving. Those things to me are the most meaningful and I'm most proud to influence like those positive changes outside of the gym or the kitchen. That's amazing. It is true. It's so holistic. It's so much more than just trying to get abs and and feeling good physically. And and how – well, we talked about time management a lot and saying no, but within all of that, how much time do you end up dedicating to social media? Probably a scary amount of time. I know Instagram had that stat where it would like show you how long you were on. I remember looking at it the other day. It was like four hours or something crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't spend a lot of time – scrolling on Instagram. I spend most of my time answering DMs, comments, those types of things. I would say easily, easily probably four hours a day just on Instagram. So what is that? Like 25, 30 hours a week. Um, And then my team and I, we spend a really good amount of time too on like Facebook. We have private Facebook groups, um, Pinterest, uh, a scary amount of time, (laughs) definitely several hours per day. Yeah. And I'm glad that you are honest in bringing up that number because I feel like people these days try to downplay that number because almost something people are ashamed of or because there's not a – it's so new. There's not a big benchmark for what the average human 
should be consuming mm-hmm. via a screen and via social media. But when your business is an online business and that is where you interact with your audience and find your customers and your ideal clients, you know, there's not a huge benchmark that I can find that people are honestly talking about. So I love that you're honest, that it is a lot of hours in the day. But what I also yeah. think is beautiful is that you touched on earlier how you're able to do that gracefully and not take away time from your family and other important parts of your business because of how you have structured Lauren Gleisberg and your team. So I think that that's very realistic and I'm glad you were honest about it. Yeah, of course. And going back to our community conversation, I mean, we everyone's talking about content, but I think, you know, when you put out great content, that's obviously important. But then interacting with your community around that content is, in my opinion, even more important. So yeah, spending a good amount of time interacting. If your time is spent on social media, interacting with your community, I find it very worthwhile. It's very, very valuable. You're right. And just real fast, because you talked about content, how long does it take for you to build out one of your workout programs with the meal plan and because you videotape all your workouts too? Like it's such a production and I'm just curious how long each one of those must take. Months. Uh, There's just so many moving pieces. And, you know, at the beginning it was just like, like I said, it was all me. So I could, I would just sit down and do it. But now when we have like protect, Uh, professional photographers, graphic designers, we have food stylists and photographers. There's just so much that goes into it. So it really takes months to put together um, and put out like our quality plans and testing it is even longer. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite a long time. And that's good to know because I feel like so many people look at um, social media influencers or online entrepreneurs and they think, you get paid how much to do this? Like, this is so easy. I mean, they must think that maybe in one day you could sit down and write a meal plan and tape your workouts, but it's definitely not the case. It's a lot more work and more time than people know. So that that makes a lot of sense to me. I would assume it would take quite a while. Right. There's so much that goes in on the back end to produce stuff. And especially as you grow and evolve. You just raise the standard for yourself. If I looked back, well, I don't know what the exact quote is, but there's that quote about if you look back on like the first version or your first product and you're not slightly embarrassed of it, you haven't grown because my first <laughs> my first programs had pictures off of like an iPhone and it was just like totally different from the quality of the content and programs that I put out today. But, you know, back then I had a mindset of, you know, just get it out because there's always Mm -hmm. going to be something that was, you know, I could do this better or that better. But, you know, uh, you just, you got to start where you're at and deliver your best and then just grow from there. So that's, that's that's amazing. I was thinking about that actually with this podcast this morning, you and I had a side conversation about imposter syndrome and yeah, I just started this podcast as soon as I felt a desire. I just started recording and hit send. So I, I'm sure I'll look back on these and be like, oh, let's get back on and, and let's, let's do this again. But yeah, I think you're doing really- an amazing, you're doing an amazing job. Oh, yeah. I, I would have thought you've been doing this professionally for years. You do, you do such so a good job. Sweet. <laughs> I needed to hear that, but thank, thank you so much. And speaking of going back and thinking of where you were when you started, is there a mistake you would go back and change? in this space? 
I wouldn't necessarily call it a mistake, but there is definitely something that I would have done sooner, and that is starting an email list. I have what I think is a very impressive email list, and that's so important to me because that is my list. Instagram doesn't own it. Facebook doesn't own it. Nobody owns it. Those are my contacts, and it's a direct link to my community. So when everyone's worrying about algorithms and this and that and their reach and all of that. I always have my email list to fall back on. And I started collecting it years and years ago and providing really great value and a reason for um, getting those emails. But if I would have even done it sooner, sometimes I kick myself for not starting it sooner. So that's something I definitely wish I would have done and would recommend to those even just starting out, out now. And that is probably one of the smartest answers I've heard for that question. And I actually do not – I have zero for this podcast specifically. I have like small email lists for other things. But that is one of my biggest goals is that I want to grow an email list. So I'll probably have to pick your brain on a side note sometime not between three and seven because (laughs) – Anytime I'm here for that. Yeah, I definitely want to do a series of showing starting from zero with um, an email list and what that looks like. That's the biggest advice that I've heard from – so many very successful people in this space is to get an email list going right away. So that was the smartest answer. Like I've said, I've heard for that question. And speaking of starting from zero is, do you have any advice for someone who would be looking on coming into the health and fitness influencer space who's starting from zero? Yeah. in any space, really, my advice would be to start incredibly specific I think it's important to get really, really good at one thing. Uh, For me, when I first began my business and my blog and social media, I started with weight training gym workouts, and that was all I did for at least a solid year or two. Um, Then I expanded into home workouts, and then I added on a meal plan when that was requested. And now I have, you know, everything from gear to programs designed for pregnancy and postpartum. But the thing is, I started with one very specific type of workout, which also means that you're targeting one very specific type of person. And I think that's really great for growth and building a community is to just get good at one thing, put all your focus there, and then worry about expanding. And probably a favorite question people have is always about gear. Is there a camera you love to use or any apps that make your life in this space a lot easier? I wish I had good answers. I need to listen to your podcast more and hear what everyone else says. Because if it's (laughs) me taking the photo or video, um, seriously, it's the iPhone. I I think that I used to get caught up. I have have probably three or four really, really nice cameras that I thought I needed to get going. And they don't get used because I don't even know how to use them well. If I'm shooting for something big, like my workout programs, I work with a professional photographer. Same with my uh, food images. I have a food stylist and food photographer. But really, it's just the iPhone. And um, I I wish I would have known that too. I would have saved myself a lot, a lot of money if I wasn't so, so concerned with cameras and all of that. I think that held me back a lot in thinking I needed the best when, I don't know, you can do it with an iPhone. You really can. Oh, yeah. iPhones are great. I'm always saying, and every time they put out a new one, I feel like the portrait mode and just the editing gets better and better. I'm like, they're going to put photographers out of business just with what we have in our pockets. It's incredible. Yes, it's crazy. Do you use any apps for um, time management or managing your team or to talk to your community that are different than the everyday social media apps? 
Um, I've used Planoly, is that how you pronounce it? A little bit for, um, I used to use that for planning out social media and whatnot. Now I actually just use my calendar and I use my notes in my calendar. This is probably like the everyday girl in me that my notes are just flooded with like all different captions that I've come up with when they come to me that I save in there. And then I import them into my calendar when I want to post certain things. Um, I'm just basic. Uh, my calendar, I live and die by a calendar. So I have like my digital version, my uh, paper version, but no, um, those are the only don't have great app suggestions for that. No, I think those are awesome app suggestions because I think people are using them and then talking. It's just not the first thing that comes to mind when I ask them that question about apps. It's to say, oh, my notes in my phone because you just <laughs> assume everybody uses it. But it's so true. Like every big idea I've ever had, if you could start an empire with whatever crazy notes I have in this phone, I'm sure. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I went through phases where I really thought I needed like quality gear and all these apps and all this extra stuff to be successful and grow. And it's funny that as I've grown, I've reverted back to the basics. So um, if that's what's holding someone back, I feel like it's a good, you know, tip to just start with where you're at, whether that's your note section and your iPhone, because anything really is possible. You don't need fancy gear or specific you know, editing tools or whatever to grow and to start. I love that advice. I, I'm so, so glad you said that. That's the best advice I would have said. I mean, that I think anybody could say in that position. So I love that. And it's so true, you guys, going back to the basics and keeping it simple. It's just, there's something so beautiful about that and people appreciate it for sure. What calendar app do you use? Just what, is it iCal? Whatever the one that comes on. My assistant has like all these other things set up. She's got like my Google calendar and she's, everything's color coordinated. And I'm like, we need to sit down and teach me this because I'm still stuck on like my Apple product. So. Oh yeah. But I guess that also goes to outsourcing. It's not my, I'm very organized with my way and she's great at helping me with that. So I guess that's one of the things I've learned to let go of and let my assistant help me with. That's awesome. Well, wow, those were all such great answers, and I just can't believe the amount of value that you just poured into this episode, and I appreciate you so much for coming on and talking to me about community and managing your time building such an amazing business while being a mom. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I think you're doing an amazing, amazing thing with this podcast. I can't wait to see where it grows because I know it just um, is going to help so many women, and I'm honored to be on it. This conversation with Lauren was too good because I feel like right now so many people are focusing on following number and trying to grow their profile that they're forgetting that there's this amazing community of people that are there and waiting for you to pour into them and to show up for them. So I love that she does such a great job at this and was not afraid to hold back at how she is able to do that most effectively. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. I love when you screenshot the podcast and tag me on Instagram. It makes my day every single time. And if you would be so kind to leave a rating and review, that also helps in getting the podcast ranked and getting it behind more people's eyes so we can grow this beautiful community of people who are showing up and purposeful and have intentional hearts when they share. And I think that's what's going to change the game of being a mompreneur and a social media influencer or a creative in this present time. 
Also, don't forget the discussion doesn't just end here on the podcast. If you head over to Facebook and join the MIP Insiders Group, MIP Insiders Group on Facebook, then I love to just talk a little bit more about each episode, find out where you, who you guys are, where you're from, what you're working on, and just really network and be a source for each other. So thank you so much for tuning in today, guys.